1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey, everyone. Adrian here. Before we jump in, I wanted to take a second and thank you all for being so patient waiting for this episode. For the bad apples that have followed the show for a while, uh, you know that there have been a lot of changes to DRCK. The biggest change being that at this moment in time, I am hosting Dirty Rotten Church Kids on my own, all by my lonesome. That said, uh, I took the past few months, the summer of this year, to really think about what comes next, what I want, um, what I had, the hopes that I had for the show, all that stuff. And in that time, and I'm really glad that I took it, in that time I came to the conclusion that there are guests that I have yet to chat with that I still would love to speak to. There are topics that I still would love to discuss and unpack. And there are friends of the show that I would love to have back on. And so all of those things together, when I look back at it, all those things together really told me that I want to keep going. So in this moment, the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast will keep on keeping on. I just wanted to hop on and say that. So for those who have listened thus far, truly, thank you, thank you, thank you. For those who have supported so kindly over the years, thank you. I am working really hard to keep DRCK fun, entertaining, and as always, equal parts heavy and light. So with that, on with the show. Hey everybody, it is Adrian. And if you're listening to this sweet, sweet, smooth, sultry voice, you know what it is. You got yourself another episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids Podcast. We're back. We're back, everyone. Hello, 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 Bad Apples. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's been a minute. Missed you all deeply, madly, truly, madly, deeply. Is that a Savage Garden song? <laughs> I think it's Savage Garden. In the words of the prophet, Savage Garden, I miss y'all truly, madly, deeply. And I truly, madly, deeply uh, have a love for a, a special guest, a returning guest, a friend of the show, a friend of mine. Uh, and I'm pleased to say this week's guest co-host, she's a content creator, she's a podcaster, she is a uh, playwright, a, a jack of all trades. She's done so many things, but you know her. Uh, from her podcast and content platform called God Has Not Given. Let's give it up for the one and only Janice Legata. Hello. It's so good to see you. Hello, hello. You forgot to um, list General Menace as part of Oh, shit. Hold on. Resume. I got to update. Roll it back. <laughs> Roll it back. <laughs> you absolutely are a General Menace. Absolutely. You are the menacist. The menacist yeah. menaced. Depending, How depending are you? on who you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, I'm good. I am as well as anyone can be in a world mm -hmm. on fire. Yeah. You know, that's actually a, a really good preface. Anytime anyone asks how I am, I'm going to start saying, 
about as good as one can be for a world on fire. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Because with everything going on, like sometimes it feels, it almost feels bad to be like, I'm, I'm fine. And, yes. And it's also like never really the truth because <laughs> <laughs> also I'm an ex-evangelical and, and in therapy and, right. you know, all the things. Yeah. So, yeah. Crippling self-doubt virtually nonstop. Right. So yeah, that's, that's true. What's the point of lying and making other people pissed at you by saying you're doing great? There's no benefit. Right. <laughs> right. In 2022, it couldn't be better. I'm, I'm living I'm doing all amazing. the dreams. My life is and... the best. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Janice, I'm so glad to have you. Uh, you were so kind. Uh, You're kind enough to join me uh, about a month ago um, to be a, a co-host with me on the um, Patreon exclusive, exclusive, exclusive episode um, while I kind of took the summer off. And I was like, man, that was too much fun. Got to have Janice back for the first episode back. <laughs> I aced the interview, guys. Like, I, <laughs> what can I, I say? You made it to the second round. You made it to the second round. That's it. That's it. Oh, man. So um, for you, everything else, though, like anything new and exciting? How was the you recently released the kind of the scandusical, um, it was like the script and the soundtrack. Is that right? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of both. How's that? Good, I think. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, we should we should add a segment that's just for us. And it's called For Us. And it's about us Enneagram fours. as fours. Yes, and, for us. And probably only for us because <laughs> no one else in the world could understand. <laughs> we could call it for fours. Four fours. <laughs> and only fours will get it because we're so unique. Yeah, totally. Right. You wouldn't get four, it. Four by four. Four by four, fours. Four by four with Janice and Adrian. <laughs> right. This is a whole other spinoff podcast. Great. Great. Right. And so you would know, you know, anytime you release something creative, it's devastating. It can yes. never it can never go well. Right. <laughs> like even if it goes well, you're like, it could have been better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was. It was fine. It's and, um, the Teflon Velcro thing. It's like if if everyone loved it and they give you, they pay you a million compliments, it just slides right off. But if you get one right. kind of negative feedback or one remark that was less than enthusiastic, you're like, God damn it, fuck. Well, that's the law. <laughs> right. That's the and truth. That's the only person who truly loves me because they were the only one to tell me the truth. Awesome. Well, congrats yeah. on releasing that into the world. That's that is no small feat. So congrats. Thank you. So, Janice, I think, you know, I think we need to jump right in. I think we need to hit the ground running. Let's do it. We got to move forward, right? We're going we're gonna to trudge forward. We're going to stubbornly continue to exist. And uh, we're going to do that with a segment that everyone loves. And this is a segment that I like to call Hell Court. <laughs> Bongos. <laughs> the bongos of justice. Gotta wait for this. Yeah, that was yeah. it. That was it. That was all that really matters. I really had to just wait for the. Gotta wait for the. It's the best part. The 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 porn wah the the porn wah wah. You gotta wait for the porn wah wah. So Janice, I figured there's no better way to jump into Hellcourt. Uh, you, as I said earlier, are a uh, a, a, a thespian, an artiste, uh, a playwright, a musician. Uh, and so I figure this topic would be very fitting. Um, and, and you actually posted on your story 
And so I didn't even know anything about it. But this has to do with a Texas church called the Dora McAllen Church and their release of a musical that they called Scamilton. <laughs> so what was this? Do you, what, what, can you tell me a little bit about what, the general vibe of what, what this all was about? So what it's about, so we, we the internet, called it Scamilton. They just called it Hamilton. Oh, they didn't um, even bother to try and to mask oh, no. it? They called no, it Hamilton? They called it <laughs> Hamilton. And, and I mean, churches have been doing this for years, right? And we just saw it, I want to say over Christmas, but it wasn't. It was like earlier this summer when people started posting clips from just different church productions, just like mangling yeah. mainstream stories. And so this church, they put on a full production, a full recreation of Hamilton. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't know how the theater world works something like hamilton like you cannot just be like well i can play that song so we can we can do it at our church like you have to apply to put on productions you have to be accepted you have to be given the licenses and then theater is very special and very different from tv and movies even because the writer is king and like you cannot do a production of anything and ch you cannot change anything like, if you get the license to do a production, you have to do it as, as it is, is written. You have um, to get special permission to change anything about it. So, and so, so this what did this church, church do? <laughs> they just said, I can play that. <laughs> and we have enough people to be in this cast. Yeah. So we're doing Hamilton. But we don't like a lot of these liberal ideas. Oh, so yes. we're just going to tweak some lyrics here and there. <laughs> I can and do add better. a little messaging. Right. <laughs> right. See what you did. I can do better. <laughs> and what this play needs is some Jesus messaging. We need a little salvation message. Yeah. And then, you know, just some thinly veiled homophobia. Anti yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just 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 for good measure. So it was completely unlicensed, unauthorized. It went by Hamilton, and then they changed the lyrics. And uh I, I was gonna play segments on right now and played as a clip but uh they were sued <laughs> and last thing i want listen i will pick a fight i will i will threaten coldplay to sue me but i will not threaten the dramatist guild to sue do me because they'll mess. do it they'll do it <laughs> they'll do it and they will get you and honestly you shouldn't even have clips to play anymore because like the dramatist guild was like you need to destroy all that footage they're like take it all down i will say is um as ever right the internet you can never get rid of you can find virtually anything on the internet i did find some of it not good not good so bad pitchy very pitchy poorly written it's like this is what you're gonna go for that's how you want it i mean i will say right like church musical productions have never been creme de la creme you know what i'm saying they've never been that great yeah but oof bold move but to take on something like that. And then they got in trouble because they were posting it everywhere, like boldly and proudly. Weren't they charging money? I'm pretty sure they were. I think they're charging for tickets. I think they were, Oof. which is which is double, double trouble. Yeah. And when the news kind of first broke, like the pastor, I mean, I knew he was lying, but a lot of people wouldn't. But he was like, no, no, we got we 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 did get a license. We were allowed to do this. And he's being very vague about it. I'm like, there's no way. Hamilton is not out. It's not. 
it's not out for licensing not not at that level yeah. right like <laughs> yeah it's on disney plus ain't no way they're just gonna slide it out to the door mcallen church in texas right. that's let's get in on that action right, right. disney plus and the door mcallen in texas <laughs> it's an untapped market we gotta have it <laughs> um, yeah they got caught big time of course they got got i mean they got themselves they did this they did this to themselves and i was like looking and, and literally i think a day or two ago i just saw an article that says um the church actually released a statement um an, an apology statement here in, in lieu of the kind of the dramatist guild getting involved condemning them for the unauthorized production then well miranda like tweeted about it and therefore it went even more viral it went tiktok viral instagram viral went everywhere they got sued and find and so there's a statement here let me just read a little bit of it um on behalf of the door christian fellowship mccallan church i would like to personally apologize to the creator of hamilton lin-manuel miranda uh the producers and numerous others who contributed intellectual property for staging an unauthorized production a little bit further he said we did not ask for receive license uh from the producers or creators to do this uh, da, 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 da. We respect the copyrights of Hamilton's author and contributors. They're protected by federal law. We acknowledge there are lawful avenues to obtain a license. Da, 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 da. I recognize as pastor of the church that I have an obligation to follow the law and educate our community about these protocols. We're going to use this as a learning opportunity uh, about protected artistic works and intellectual property. And then he uh, agreed to never do it again. Right. So, what do you what do you think of the what do you think of the statement? I think I love that apology. Um, clearly. This was not written. They did not write that. That was written for them. Or they were definitely given the language. These are the things you have to say and you have to cover. And these yep. are the people you have to apologize to. Um, and then yep. there is a part in there where he says, like, they are, they're, they're paying damages. Like, they have to pay damages. Pay, pay the piper now, yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it was just like, man, like, I love, I love the dramatist guilds. They're out there doing their work. And it's a shame that this is the best apology i've seen from a church <laughs> from a church for I anything know. and like oh my god it's it's only been a couple of weeks and they're already have been held accountable and are paying damages yeah it's like okay it is kind of interesting you know what people will be will hold your feet to the fire for and be like you had better apologize and it better be right and you had better make amends uh, in the grand scheme of things, no, I mean, much respect to the producers and creators of Hamilton. In the grand scheme of things, this is not the worst thing that a church has done to the public. At all. Uh, that, that that they would benefit from apo for apologizing for. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, but I guess we can, I guess we'll take what we can get. <laughs> we, I'm like, the best can I we... can do is apologize for Hamilton. <laughs> I'll give you that. It's like, can we, can we, the people get a dramatist guild? Like, can we have yes. somebody? Oh it's like, who is fighting for just the regular people? And that's when all my churches are scams. There's nobody looking out for the folks. There's nobody to step in and say, hey. We need like a post-evangelical guild. <laughs> yeah. We need, you know, someone who can really lay down the law. And I just want to say on record, uh, me, Adrian Gibbs, and Janice Legata are spearheading this new initiative. <laughs> called the post-evangelical <laughs> guilt and we are going to take these churches to task get behind us people we're fixing it we will fix it <laughs> and we'll do our best but uh yeah i mean i feel like we've already been doing it in these churches right have yet to recognize our authority <laughs> that's true there's really not much more that we can do actually <laughs>
blathering on, on on podcast and blasting them on social media is about as much as we can do at this point. Uh, we're doing our best. <laughs> so Janice, I am so glad that the Dorm McAllen Church in Texas has l- seen the error of their ways and they will never, ever, ever, ever do this again. Wait a minute. Oh no. Janice, this is bad. This is really bad. I, j- I see here that the, Mac- the Dorm McAllen Church in Texas just released some sort of compilation record. Hold on, I think I found an ad for it. Let me just run it real quick. Yeah, check this out. This is not good. This is not good. The wait is over. It's finally here. From the church that brought you the perfectly legal, licensed production of Colonial Founding Fathers Rap Musical, comes a new Broadway musical compilation album on Godway, the Purity Edition, featuring renditions of songs from all your favorite musicals, like Defying Gravity from Wizard of Oz Musical. It's God and I defining purity. Dating by, I'm defining purity. My pants ain't coming down. By legendary composer Stephen Sondheim. Musical about storybook characters going into the forest. Into the book without delay, be careful to read it our way. Into the book to keep our eyes safe from all the porn hubs. Into the book to learn to be strangely obsessed with purity. Into the book to kill your flesh, a stunter to make you weird and scared. To scar, to shut you down, to make you fear everything sexual. Into the book. Into the book. Into the book. Into the book. Get out of the book and you'll go to hell. As well as Seasons of Love from Rock Musical about the AIDS epidemic. 525,600 women, 525,000 concubines, 5,000 camels and goats and cows and chickens. You're all my property, you're all mine. And renditions of songs from... French Revolution musical. Tomorrow she will put this on. Tomorrow is the purity pot. Tomorrow she will kiss dating goodbye so she can court lust be gone. Dating's done. One date more. Of course, last but not least, the heartwarming story of musical about the little orphan girl. It's the holy life for us. It's the holy life for us. Instead of kisses, no dating. Instead of humping, purity rings. It's the holy life. With so many timeless hits and adaptations, it's no wonder that everyone loves our musical productions. And with God's help, All shows are possible on Godway. Oh, man, they're back at it again, Janice. What are we going to do? They're back and, you know, we need to take them back to task. Um, So I think we need to loop in the Dramatist Guild again and we're going to get it sorted for sure. We're going to get it sorted. Uh, they can't be stopped. God is on their they side. Be, and they... God's on their side. 
I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Oh my God. Can we just say like, if I end up getting sued for doing that, I, it will be the height of poetic justice. Just the poetry. I, I wouldn't even be mad just considering how poetic it is if I get sued. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, so that happens. So I'm going to keep moving. As, as a member of the Dramatist Guild, I do Are have you to report you. So. Dramatist arrest. <laughs> oh my God. Stay right where you are. It's been real, everyone. <laughs> oh man, always something, you know. Always something. Always something. Um, anything else you want to add to that, Janice? To Hellcourt, or are we good? Um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. They they got dealt with. I do feel, I do feel some type of way that this this was a church in in Texas, and it does. Look to be like a primarily Latino church, um, and so I do. I I am like ah, oh, like of all the people to get zapped by something. Oh, interesting. It's a little like ah, and they're not on social media. At least they're not. They don't have like a big presence. Like they're not. Their profile is not very Oof. big at all. Um, and so like their 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 big mistake, <laughs> obviously, was like choosing this this particular work. And being yeah. so, so public with it. Like, I don't know. You got to, Christians, um, you, you got to learn to be sneakier with your sneaky snakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and y'all pre- are pretty good at being sneaky. You're usually pretty good at it. You're and usually I don't know. good. Historically, you are fantastic <laughs> right. at being sneaky. Historically, you're the best. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. so I don't know. I, I guess you guys, maybe COVID, you missed, you missed that session in a conference. Yeah, they gotten rusty. Know. They've gotten rusty. I don't know what all those virtual services. They, they lost their <laughs> right. touch. Yeah. Get back to it. What's wild is there's like mega churches in South Florida that I can call out by name and I'm not going to, cause I don't want to give them any shine, but they have done way worse, like right. way worse, just like covering other stuff. And I mean, I, maybe not worse. That's actually, this is pretty bad, but they've done ways <laughs> similar. If nothing, they've done similar stuff. And it's yeah. just as much like kind of bullshittery, like, and I've taken a lot of real shitty creative license with stuff and slapped the Jesus fish on something that already exists and made it worse. You know what I mean? Always. It, it's never, Man. never made better. Never. Yeah. Never. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of churches and the stuff that, they, that they're doing, I mm-hmm. want to talk about a specific topic. And this is a topic that um, I had been wanting to talk about for a while. Uh, and it just got pushed and pushed back due to a bunch of other stuff happening. And I was like, you know what? What better time to bring this up than now? So um, we are going to talk all about the wonderful world. The wonderful? The wonderful <laughs> world. The w- okay, God. I'm having a stroke. Send help. Is the dramatist killed? <laughs> justice. Justice, justice is swift. <laughs> sweet, sweet, swift justice. They heard, they heard that. Get. That defying gravity, and they, they think you're, you're trying defining, to yeah, stick with the it. Oz theme, and they said, wonderful world. No, no, no. No, no. No, 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 you cannot. <laughs> Not in our house. Not in our house. So with that, we're going to talk all about tithing. Tithing, tithing, tithing. This topic is money. Uh, 
Yeah, yes, it is. Absolutely, it's money. For those of our listeners who have heard you on the previous episode of DRCK, they know that you were brought up a church kid and it was kind of part of your story, pervasively so, all the way through many of your adult years. Um, so talk to me a little mm-hmm. bit about how you were taught about tithing growing up. What did that look like for you? Tithing is one of those things I don't even remember hearing about for the first time because it was just so a part of life. Um, mm. And I, <laughs> I'm not one of these Gen Zers, these new fangled kids, right? Like I didn't get an allowance. I didn't have, I didn't have money. Um, so I was basically just like handed a quarter on Sundays to put into the offering. So <sighs> my, yes. my whole, you know, idea of tithing was like, Oh, you get to hold something for a second and then yeah. you, you give it to God. So that was the childhood view. Like, Oh, this is, this is the time of the week where I get to hold a little money for a second. You know, it's wild. The former ministry person in me is like, that's a perfect sermon illustration. They're like, you see, it's not actually yours. You're just holding on to it for a little time and then you're giving it to God. None of this money is yours. Like, I mean, that's pretty, pretty on the nose, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, it's a handy life skill. I can calculate 10%. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> of anything. That's with- true. I do, whenever I tip, I always start with 10% and I double it. So, you know, uh, if yeah. nothing else, I, I've learned how to do that. Yeah. Learn to tip yeah. a waiter. Did you grow up Pentecostal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Did y'all ever do the uh, like <laughs> the tithing conga line around the yes. sanctuary? Did y'all ever do that? We I did. <laughs> when I used to go to church with my grandma and grandpa in Oklahoma, they were a Pentecostal preacher. We would get up in a little conga line, a tithing conga line, and we would just march to music all the way around <laughs> the sanctuary just for a chance to, to fancily drop your money into the basket. It was pretty outstanding. <laughs> Because God loves a cheerful, quick to do it giver. That's it. That's like, it. What's that better light on their feet, baby? <laughs> right. Like it doesn't better even shuffle count. To Jesus. You know, if you're doing it begrudgingly. So that's right. And, and it's almost like everyone could watch you. Like if you're not freaking happy, then you they, they are watching you for four walls worth of walk time to see how <laughs> shitty of a Christian you are. <laughs> right. So first of all, you better be in the line. You better yep. be holding something up. Right. That's right. And you better right. be having the time of your life. But time of your life. <laughs> Getting ready to that take is... this to the altar. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was always like, you know, they talked about like the first fruits, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like you're giving God your best, you know, and then and then it very quickly translated into to money. <laughs> like, but your best is money. And I'm like seven. I'm like, my best is not money. I promise <laughs> you that. My best is not money. <laughs> I don't have money. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have money. And so then I had these conflicts So when I got older and I still didn't have money, but I had money for things like bus fare or like buying lunch at school. And then you're like, wait, do I have to tithe off of this? Like, cause it's, it's everything. Right. Right. It's not, it's not really mine. So it just, uh, everything, everything in evangelicalism, but tithing isn't just another thing that just sets you up for, dissonance and fuckery and just not not goodness i found a clip and i'm not gonna tell you what church this is because they already turned off their comments and disabled all their dislikes so i'm pretty sure they've already heard it but this is um i found like a segment of like a video that they played at like their kids church and talks about tithing 
Give this a listen. Tithing is giving 10% of what you have to God. In the Bible, a long time ago, God's family had 12 different groups. They were called tribes. God set it up so that all the tribes would give some of what they had to the one tribe that was helping them have a relationship with God. See, God owns everything because he created everything. So he doesn't need you to give him 10% of what you have, but he wants you to join him in helping his family. And because you're part of that family, he wants you to trust that he will take care of you, even if you don't have 100%. And he will take care of you because you matter to God. Ish. Why does it sound like a Payless Shoes commercial? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Back to school. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so yeah, so what do you think of that, Janice? Uh, so much. That's just... Ugh, cringe. And it's just like, ah. Imagine being like six years old and you're like, you don't exist. You belong to God. And therefore, everything you own and everything you hold and everything you ever do is just God's. Like, it's God's. Okay, great. Got it. Got it. Property. Cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> property. All right. Nice. Which you probably already knew growing up in a Christian household, right? Mm-hmm. Like you already... You already belong to your parents. Mm-hmm. You're not a real person yet. So why, why wouldn't God want in on the action? <laughs> no, that's true. It's just, it's, you're already, it's reinforcing the idea that you're not your own, you know, like the, what the Bible says, like, you know, you're not your own, you're bought with, with the, the price. price. Like you already Oof. don't bring anything to the table. And so it is very interesting. It's like by establishing, like, like the fact they had to kind of slip that in, kind of like everything's already God's and he doesn't need it. It's code for like, you're already God and he doesn't need you. You know, it's like, there's a very parallel, like the, the line between saying everything is God and he doesn't need those things and you are God's and he doesn't need you is right. a very thin line and they're freaking playing double Dutch with it. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't like, it's so hard to look at this stuff now and have any, any, any dissonance about it anymore or, or even see, oh, I see how it could be good. And now it's just like, no, this is nothing but red flags and bad, just bad theology. What's funny, you mentioned not having allowance. I was not given allowance either. No. I don't know. Maybe it's like a, I don't know. Like my, my parents were like, my, my mom was like, what? Why would I give you allowance? You don't deserve anything. Like, you haven't done anything. I'm like, what if I do? What if I like take out the trash and like supposed clean to do that like, anyway. That's expectation. Yeah, that's called responsibility. Yeah. You lazy son of a bitch. Okay, <laughs> right. got it. Sorry. Nobody <laughs> pays me for for washing the dishes. And, that's it. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brutal. And all like my white friends had allowance for everything. I'm like, what? y'all parents pay you? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Just for doing nothing. Just for what? I do more than that. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I like remember growing up and again, this did not apply to me because I never got allowance, but they'd be like, parents, you should be giving, whenever you, your kids get their allowance, they should be taught that they should split it out right out the gate. So it's 10% for God, 10% for savings, and the rest is pocket money. So it's almost like from the very beginning, you're like, because you're instilling these, these habits, you know, you're teaching you them are. young. And you are, and it works. Like that programming is effective. Uh, and so I get mad about it now because I'm like, you could have been, <laughs> if you can teach people that kind of financial stuff, then you can teach people other financial things. And I feel mm. like 
you know, it definitely set me up for like just being dumb with money in general. And like, not that the church did that, but like none of this helped. Mm. And so there have been, you know, various points where just financially not doing well at all, mm. but still tithing. Better tithe. Because that's, that's going to be the magic key yeah. that gets me out of this. Like, <laughs> this is a test. And when God sees that I'm faithful, then he'll take care of all of this. Oh, my God. This is a test. That is so interesting. I feel like that's so much of it. They're like, God doesn't need your money, but he just wants to see what's important to you. That's essentially saying God's testing you. Like This, a this is a test. Because they say, what do they say? Where your fuck. What is it? Where your where your heart is there your treasure where your treasure is there your heart will be also something like that i don't read my bible listen it's something like that (laughs) and 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 so it is very interesting to like grow up and 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 i would contend that a majority of our upbringing was just a series of little behavioral tests that god was putting you through like little you know like little like things that you're doing that you're experiencing that because like god just wants to see you know, like, you know, and so I think tithing was probably one of the first things that said when I started to understand it, I was like, oh, so God doesn't need my money. Oh, OK. Oh, but so God's just doing this for me to show like I'm a good Christian. OK. And I think that was one of the first times where like performative Christianity started to like dig its claws in, you know? Yeah, because God, God doesn't need it, but you need to to know, you know you're selfish and that your heart is wicked. So of course you don't want to do this. So God is testing you. Not that he needs, he knows what you're going to do, but you need to see how you really are and what your heart is really like. And you need to, to fight that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's really, I mean, God knows God doesn't need it. It's like, it's like a gosh, it's like, I know what it is, but why don't you tell me what you think, what you think it is? It's like, okay, bullshit. You don't fucking know what's going on. Did you ever have any like, um, like pithy, uh, like catchphrases that like a pastor or adults in your life would tell you about tithing? My, I had one that my favorite one was, um, God can do more with your 10% than you can do with your full hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the time I was like, holy shit. <laughs> you right. Take my money. <laughs> is there anything like that? Were there any like like little like you know like little lessons or pithy things that your you know adults taught you? Um, definitely that. I know there must have been others. Nothing is coming to mind immediately, which is wonderful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll show up. It'll show up in like that, in about a week. No, I'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> like, <laughs> Intrusive thoughts. Saying all of these. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I had. Um, my my dad used to tell me, so my dad was like really, was all about tithing. Um, he grew up Pentecostal and then he left the Pentecostal church, but even in sort of non-denominational megachurch land, the kind of the prosperity, health and wealth thing, that never really left. So for, mm-hmm. for my dad, it was always about sowing a seed. And yeah. so his whole thing was like, he would tell me, he said, Adrian, never let the plate go past you without putting something in it. He's like, if it's a penny, if it's a dollar, never let it go past you because like that's sowing a seed. 
Did you have any of that stuff growing up? Oh, definitely. Definitely all about sowing seeds and like the the sevenfold return and the tenfold return and and definitely, you know, having pastors come through and be like, you know, there's somebody in this audience and you you've got fifty dollars to give, got a hundred dollars to give, you know, and if you do, the Lord's gonna pour out whatever, whatever fold blessing they were mm-hmm. talking about that week. Um and yeah, just the because everything is about sowing and reaping and you know <laughs> you sow a seed here and for whatever reason God always wants your money and he's going to give it back to you but it might not be with money you know it <laughs> yeah. might be with with health or with opportunity, opportunity. <laughs> yeah. or yeah. safety yeah. or you know right. whatever so it's like he always I guess like he always wants money and he's going to give it back to you, but it might not be in money. What's the exchange rate of like, if I, if I tie like a hundred thousand dollars and God gives me good health, that seems like how much is my health really worth? I don't know, man. I think I'd rather just keep the money. There's a part, part of me is like, maybe just keep the money a little bit. Right. It's, it's a little it's of the money. Shroot bucks to Stanley Nichols. Yeah. I don't know. What is exactly. that? What is that exchange rate? So, yeah. It's like, if I got good parking at, at trying to get to work, and I got a good parking and I tied like 150 bucks this, this month. I don't know if it's worth it. Just I'll just find a new spot, man. I'll walk. Oh, my God. Well, it's too late because it was worth it to That's God. Right. He did that for That's you. Right. So he's like, nope, no take backs. Nope. Right. No refunds, no, no exchanges. <laughs> no refunds. This is, this is what it is. Yeah. OK, so when you were getting older, though, once you started getting into like Hillsong land, mm-hmm. I imagine it became like a, a different sort of marketing. Like the, you know, the ploys got a little, a little different. Um, you mentioned a little bit about kind of, you know, sowing seeds, like how often in mega church land did you hear about tithing and giving? Oh, every week. Like there's a, you know, a portion of the Sunday program is the offering message. Um, and so Hillsong, you know, it will say, Oh, you don't have to, everyone should give an offering, but you don't have to. Um, and, you know, you don't have to tithe unless you're a member here. And I don't know. It is so weird to think back on it now because I've had this conversation with other people from Hillsong, New York. And like, just kind of ask them, like, what did you think, like, the financial state of, of Hillsong, New York was? And, like, we came, we come, this is this big megachurch. It is an international megachurch. But for whatever reason, and no one ever stood up there and said, like, the actual words, we're not doing well financially, but there's always just this sense that we're barely keeping the lights on here. Really? Like, you know, they would give these, these stats that are, I'm sure are lies, you know, only 8% of, you know, the people who come are regular tithers. And so there was just this idea that uh, hardly anyone is doing their job. So as a tither, I have to, I have to keep it up because you know, the enemy is always attacking us and we're barely getting by here. Right. And so there was just this, this feeling that not only was it our responsibility just as good Christians and good members of this church, but also like as, as like good, good members of this church, because most people aren't, they're not volunteering and they're not tithing. And so I've got to, I've got to keep, I got to do my part and I got to keep doing my part. That is so, and first of all, 
a number of things you said are very interesting to me. First of all, the idea that Hillsong would, whether explicitly or discreetly, imply that they are hurting for money in any capacity. Yeah. It's like, you are the king of, of, the, of the kingdom. Like, the kingdom with capital K, like the Christian kingdom, you're the king. So how much money do y'all need? Like, we're all trying to be like you, paying you money to play your songs. Um, right. So that's laughable for one. But the second thing you said was really interesting is that it's like, if your identity is tethered to a church in a big way, like if you serve there or if like your community, like your friend community or like whatever, like you consider home, like if it's part of that church, mm-hmm. then you then kind of have this sort of responsibility toward it. Like you owe it to them. Like this is my family. Like this is my house. I got to. Right. You know, keep the lights on. How interesting. Right. And why why wouldn't you want to give? You know, that was that was one of the things, right? You give you give to what you love. So like mm. in Jesus, you know, God gave his son for you. Jesus gave his life for you because he loved you and you can't give a little of your money. Right. Right. I I had one that I remember when I when I was in the mega church growing up and then even when I was like a church planter a little later on, like one of the things that we would say, was he'd be like, give till it hurts. Give till it hurts. We'd say, give till it hurts. Like, you need, you should give. Like, if you don't notice that you gave. Sacrificial. Then then it's not sacrifice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not about tithing. It's about generosity. It's about sacrifice. What a weird mind fuck to be like, you need to hurt. I need you to be financially in in financial dire straits in order for for you to really feel like you're, you're doing doing the good stuff. Right. Because what did David say? I will not, you know, offer the Lord that which cost me nothing. Oh shit. Like, yes. And this is, it's all sacrificial and you've got to, <laughs> you say, give till it hurts. It's the least you could do. Why wouldn't you? It's the least you could do. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I, I think I remember th- there would be kind of some subtle ways of like glossing over some of the stuff they'd be like, God wants your time and your talent and like your treasures, like as a kicker, throw the treasures in at the end. But in actuality, God really doesn't mind if you don't give him as much of your time or like doesn't really give your talent as much because like, you know, we have better people at Hillsong, better musicians than you anyway <laughs> or whatever. But like those treasures better be rolling in. So it's time, talent, treasures, but mostly treasures. Mostly treasures. You know? If you can only choose one. Yeah, it's like the it's like a fuck Mary kill. Right. <laughs> Time talent or treasures. Uh, yeah. Mary definitely, treasures. Definitely Mary, definitely Mary treasures. <laughs> Every <for sure>. time. <laughs> yep. Fuck talent. Hi, my name is Kara. I live in Denver, Colorado, but I was raised um, one of those Southern Baptists that goes to church three times on Sundays and Wednesday nights and Thursday to knock on doors and witness. Um, so I spent a lot of time in church. Uh, my parents uh, have always been uh, very devout Christians, um, and they believe that tithing is really important. And one of the stories that they always tell to kind of underscore this is that early in their marriage, they really did not have very much money, uh, but they were very committed to giving the 10 but one week they just really did not have it and so they withheld their tithe. Well, later that week, their car broke down and I don't know if the repairs cost exactly the 10% or what impressed upon them that, you know, 
well, what they say is that God will take it from you one way or the other, right? And they, that made them really believe that. And so they raised me to be very committed to giving tithe and to the point that they would put uh, red solo cups on my dresser and they would write on on them to help me sort my money, right? Like 10% tithe, 20% savings. And so, uh, you know, I had to do chores, got an allowance. And so let's say they give me $10, $1 goes in the tithe cup and we take it to church every, every week. So, um, you know, now, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I believed it. It's sort of superstitious to say God's going to take the 10% either way. Um, but I can say I have not gone to church um, since I got divorced. You can imagine how that went. But um, I don't think God has taken 10% of my net worth. But, you know. Maybe I'm just not his favorite. Hi, my name is Dan from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in a sort of fundy light Baptist church. While tithing was certainly talked about, encouraged and taught as a sort of sacrifice or act of worship, it wasn't really made to be a big deal. Uh, to be fair, a lot of people who attended that church were lifers who you know, would have the same job for 30 years, so the budget was always pretty reliable. Where I really got a good glimpse of how fucked up tithing can be is when I left that church and started attending Mars Hill. Yikes. <laughs> tithing wasn't as big of a thing there as it probably was at other mega churches. It was more what they did with the money after it was given that was really upsetting. It was obvious church leadership was obsessed with making money. From the pulpit, Driscoll would loudly proclaim how much money the church made, while neglecting to mention all the shady accounting tactics they'd use behind the scenes, like counting up all the volunteer hours at minimum wage and claiming that as income. Then there was Mars Hill Global, a fund set up for international church planting and missions. What they did, though, was use about 10% of that money for, quote, highly visible international operations and everything else for local church operations. Just lies on top of lies. And then there was a real marriage fiasco using a quarter million dollars of church funds, our tithes and offerings, to prop up his book, which both sent his book to the New York Times bestseller list, but also a bunch of church money right into his pocket. What a fucking joke. Ultimately, tithing wasn't pounded into my head as much as it probably was a lot of other Christians, but as someone who struggles with staggering amounts of guilt for shit I probably shouldn't feel guilty about, I guess just throw it on the pile. My name is Danielle. I'm from Toronto, Canada. I remember when I was little, uh, we had like one of those like ceramic um, jars and it said joy on it. J was for Jesus, O was for others, and Y was for you. And whenever we had any change, um, the, the kids, my siblings and I, would put um, money in the J for Jesus, for tithing, and then O was to donate to other people, and Y was for you. So we would put our spare change in, in each of those jars. Um, and then I remember thinking that um, the more that I put in the J, then the more Jesus would give back to me and then I could put it in the why for you, for me. Um, and that kind of thought just kind of continued on throughout the rest of my life. I ended up marrying someone um, who was abusive, financially abusive, and I was able to get out of that marriage, thankfully, three years ago. Um, but over the past three years, I've been trying to get child support from him um, and 
His lawyer told the judge one day that the reason he wasn't paying child support was because he was tithing. Um, and I found out that he was tithing thousands of dollars to the church that we attended before I left him and he wasn't paying any child support. And I have three kids with special needs. Um, and so his lawyer had told the judge that um, he believed that if he gave to the church, then God would give him money. And uh, he was just waiting for that blessing from God to pay child support. <laughs> That's my story. Hi, my name is Ray. Uh, I'm in the U.S. in Pennsylvania, um, tithing. <laughs> um, so we were taught that giving a literal 10% wasn't necessary, per se, but it was more of a reflection of how much faith you had in God to provide. Um, my parents gave 10% every Sunday, and the people around us had all these stories about giving God money when they couldn't afford it, and then they'd get their tax refund or something. Giving money was always like planting a seed or contributing to God's work, and it was like the most valuable way to spend your money. As a kid, I told myself I didn't really need to tithe unless I had a salary since my parents had already technically tithed on that money, and it would be tiny amounts anyway. But then every so often I would have a big burst of panic and donate a big sum to make up for not giving weekly. Even after I started earning money, I still had that cycle of rationalizing, resisting, and then giving a whole lot at a burst of guilt. I have a very specific memory from when I was 14. There was this video game coming out that I was really looking forward to and I had saved up the money to buy it for myself. But then the Sunday before the release date, I had my purse with me at church and I suddenly had this massive wave of guilt because I was putting video games before God's work. And uh, when the offering plate came that day, I put in the full amount that I was going to spend on the video game and hoped it would be enough to make God forgive me. I really hated myself back then for not wanting to give, and now I just regret how much energy I spent worrying about it. Hi, um, I'm Ruth and I live in Copenhagen in Denmark, but I'm originally from the UK. How did I learn about tithing? Well, I was never taught about it. Growing up in a Christian family, I just knew that me and my brother had to take money to church and we'd get in trouble if we forgot. It never really occurred to me that when we got 50 pence a week pocket money, we had to take 10 pence of it. And when it was one pound, we had to take 20%. I didn't really get that. I just did it. Um, but then when my dad nearly lost his job, we had this big talk about how we had to cut back on spending and we couldn't afford a lot of things we normally had. And um, little five-year-old me asked my mum if we would have to stop going to church because I thought that that money we were taking was payment and I thought we had to pay to go to church. And if we had to cut back on things, we had to cut back on those 10 and 20 pences <laughs> because nobody had explained it to me. You just followed it. But if I think of how I feel about tithing now, it makes me feel really angry. Even though I'd never done it as an adult, my father was both very legalistic and an accountant, so both my parents tied their incomes my whole life. My family earned enough to get by, but it was rocky at times. And it was a weird setup with money where my mother earned a lot less and she had to tie her income, pay some to my dad to the joint account and then pay for all the household things. It was all very strictly controlled. So from being very young, I mean about six or seven, 
I learned that I had to keep any money I got for my birthday or any pocket money I saved up and not spend it because if there was an unexpected cost or the car needed fixing or something was broken in the house unexpectedly, my mum would have to dip into my money at the end of the month to buy us food because there wasn't enough left in her account. I only learned as an adult that she didn't actually have to do that. This happened quite regularly, but she didn't have to do that. My dad had the money, there was money in the joint account, and if my mum hadn't tithed her tiny income, they would have had plenty of money to cover those things. But the impact of growing up knowing I had to be the one with money saved up for when we needed it to eat food has really affected my attitude to money today in a really unhealthy way. And I'm angry that tithing was more important to my parents than their children growing up feeling secure. And I'm angry that I am the one who has to deal with the repercussions of that. Were you on staff? Like officially on staff? Or were you only volunteering? Volunteering. That's wild to me. That That is so wild to me because from what you told me, you were pretty much like steering like an entire production behind the scenes to, to varying degrees. And the fact that you you weren't even paid like anything? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Which is why if... <laughs> If Hillsong was playing Fuck, Mary Kill, it would be Mary, Treasure. Uh-huh. It would be Fuck Your Talent. Because, you know, no, no, it would no, be, be Fuck Your Time. Because we're going to take gonna that take, yeah, fuck and we're going to kill your talent. Kill your talent. Yeah. Because we don't want, if it's not useful for us, if we can't use it, we don't care if you have it anymore. Because, um, like, at this point, first of all, tithing is not not a thing. It was, it was Old Testament. And then there's no reason for it today. There's no basis for it. It's not a real thing. If your church is still telling you to tithe is the biblical thing to do, your church is lying to you, they're scamming you. There's no reason for it. Is there like New Testament, like, was there, was there like a case for tithing in the New Testament? Not really. Um, and so much of, so much of the giving messaging has been, has been twisted. Like we've all heard the story of the widow's might. And the fact that that story is told as if, Je- like Jesus is, is telling the story. He's saying, oh, and you see this, this woman and she's putting in her two mites and like she's given all that she has. And like the church has twisted that and been like, wow, Jesus is like, wow, look at this lady. She's like, do that. It's like Jesus had already started saying and like his ultimate, he's ultimately going to tear the temple down. So why would you like commend somebody giving all of their things to something you don't even believe in anymore? And that you're about to destroy yourself. And so also the whole point of this story is this is wrong. This widow, this woman should not be giving everything when all of these leaders and all these other people have just thrown in, you know, things that mean nothing to them. And so like the fact that churches have taken like just the whole view, like right now, right in this moment where we're we're having all these debt cancellation (laughs) debates and, and discussions. And to see how... People are big mad about this. (laughs) Right. Christians, big mad about debt cancellation. That's like one of the only things the Bible (laughs) is clear about and talks about consistently. Old Testament, New Testament. Like, how many parables can we tell, right, about the workers? Yeah, some came at this time and some came at this time. And they all get paid the same at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, the people who were there earlier are going to be mad. But it's like... Everything Jesus was saying about money was about changing all these systems. And then the churches are like, no, no, we're just going to stick with the thing that works best for us. Because I'm, 
I don't know. At this point, I'm like, if if you want to have people tithing, then you should also be paying people. Mm. And, you know, you sh- there should be no volunteers. Everyone, if pastors are getting paid, then everyone should be getting paid. Everyone's getting paid or no one is getting paid. Like, there shouldn't be this, this, these hierarchies and this leveling of who's, whose time is worth money and who's, whose isn't. And if, you know, something like a Hillsong, why are you meeting, especially in New York City, in these buildings that cost thousands, like 20000 30000 to rent on a weekend? Hmm. Why? You don't, you don't have to do that. Just meet in homes for free. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. It's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard or, or considered when you hear the story of like the, the woman and like the two, did you say two, two mites? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. I didn't, what is a mite, by the way? Like two, like a coin, like some sort of like currency. I don't know. I believe you. Yeah, I think of like their lowest pennies. Like, yeah, right. But like the story was that basically this this man and he was like beating his brow and he's like, I'm so glad that I you know give more than all these these like these these poor people. Mm-hmm. And he gave like this big huge bag of money and then this poor woman came in and gave two pennies or whatever. And I I always was like, because Jesus was like, look at you know look how this woman gave everything. And I was like, yeah, we need to give everything. And it was, I always thought it was like a praise of the woman. I never thought of it as an indictment of those, it's an indictment of the of system, the system yeah. of power, basically being wasteful and frivolous with resources and privilege. How interesting. Right. Because I'm not even sure like what, what order the stories are in, but like <laughs> one of Jesus's, you know, big things is tearing up the temple yeah. and like he's mad about how money is being treated um, and basically... You know, like everyone had to pay. Well, they had everyone had to give a sacrifice coming in. And so, you know, they're saying if people are traveling a long way, then you you can't bring a dove with you. So you got to buy one when you get to the temple. And then people are charging all this money, you know, for these sacrifices. And these are poor people. And he's like, this is not this is not what it's about. Like, God would rather have you here with nothing. Right. Then <laughs> where is your dove? Um so every like Jesus's issues with the temple were about how people were being abused and how it was enriching like these pastors. And so it's just crazy to see like the system has just set itself up again. And yeah, like that story, like Jesus is just the tone of voice. Like you imagine Jesus saying it in, right? He's like, oh, look at this woman giving everything. Or is he like, look at this woman giving everything and they're taking it uh, yeah. from her. Like how? Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, it's not even like a, it's almost like the act in and of it, like the tithe, like the amount of money isn't the point. The fact that someone would take the only thing that this person had for the sake of like, you know, the, the illusion of piety is the actual issue. Right. That's so wild. Yeah. That's so wild. So when you look back at 
the time, talent, and treasures that you gave, you know, that we all did, right? We've talked about this before, right? We were all, we were brought up in very, very similar ways. We're all Buzz Lightyear on the toy aisle, right? We all kind of recognize each other. <laughs> you know, so when you look back at it now, how does all this make you, make you feel in hindsight? Um, as with all things, very, very conflicted. Um, because even, even back then, and still now, like I never regretted the money that I gave. Um, at the time, it was because, well, <laughs> even when I can see Hillsong, oh, they're kind of frivolous over here, and I don't really know. But you know what? That's none of my business. I'm doing my part. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. So it's fine. And I think generosity as a principle, as an idea, is wonderful. Um, and I think giving is good. And even, you know, <laughs> worldly money people, right, will say it is good to give away a percentage of your income or just to have, just to be giving something away um, and not, you know, for sowing or reaping, but just like kind of for humanity. Like it's just good to not be hoarding things. And so still today, I would hope, you know, people think of me as generous. But I think if you want to give, if you want to give 10% of your income away consistently, choose causes, choose people that actually matter to you. Do not <laughs> give to a mega church. Honestly, probably don't even give to your local church. I'm all about defunding the churches. Just give, give to your friends. Yeah, tip your waiters. Who, who needs. Use the tithing math that yeah. you learned. Tip your waiters really well. Right. So I think giving... So many things with evangelicalism, right? They're fine on their own or as separate principles, but they just get distorted by the church. So, yeah, I think it's it doesn't affect me anymore, um, but it makes me angry that it is still scamming other people. Hmm. Yeah, I think there are some like principles that I think were tied to tithes and offerings that like it was almost a ploy to get you to tithe. But if you had left it alone, I might have been okay with it. Like, I, mm -hmm. I think I, to this day, I still try and like live with an understanding that everything is like, none of this is real and none of this matters, you know, to them, you know, growing up, it's like everything you own is nothing because you're going to be in heaven and the streets are going to be gold. So what's the point of holding on to your treasures here on the side of things? For me, it's very much more like everything you own is kind of going to be either like rotting away or in like a, a trash can or, you know, like donate, like it's not going to be yours eventually. And so I think if like I had been taught just that kind of the don't hold on too tightly to stuff because life is really short. Like if that had become the story, like life is really short, you, you will not be measuring your life in the actual things that you are able to accumulate, you know? Like I, you know, so I, I feel like if that had been the conversation, like family and experiences and memories and what you were able to contribute. So with that said, like we as the church literally, actually literally do need money to keep our lights on in this building that we're using for a million other things that are helping the community. Then it becomes like you're part of right. something and you know that they believe it just as much as you are expected to believe it. Um, but the fact that it, you would take this kind of beautiful idea of everything being temporary and therefore don't be too, don't hold too tightly to possessions. And then somehow 
you throw that in the blender and what gets dumped out is like, we need a love offering for our new building next year, which by the way, love offering, that's a really good way. That's the junk drawer of offerings. Just how much should I give? Just love. <laughs> Just love. How much do you love? How much do you love us? Do you love God? If you love, then you should be giving as much as love. But yeah, so I, I think now, like, because obviously I'm at a spot where I have kids and I'm going to have to, you know, I'm thinking through how do you handle money? Like, what do you say about money? <laughs> what what do I try and instill? As you're teaching them, can you teach me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, on this episode of Four by Fours, Janice and Adrian, we're talking about Enneagram Fours and the myth of money. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, tithing is just another one of those areas that does not set you up well for life just on its own. Right? It's like, like I said, if you're going to teach people this financial principle, then teach us some other things too, right? Like if we had had it drilled into us, you know. To open a Roth IRA, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> teach me about Put savings. Put this 2% in, you know, every week. Teach me about savings. Teach me about investing. <laughs> teach me, you know, teach me some real stuff. You guys are buying a building. How can I do that? Oh. You know, or, you know, with Hillsong, New York, and they bought some building and they're renting out space or whatever. And I'm like, why don't, how come I don't own a piece of that building? Mm. Like, why is, if this is a community thing, if this is a family, why don't we know, you know, if you're tithing, why don't you get to say, you know, is it even worth it? How much, how much do we pay for this building every week? How much is the electricity here? How much are people getting paid? Cause maybe there's someone in the congregation who can be like, Oh, actually this isn't financially prudent and maybe we should all go over here and then let's all talk about it and let's vote on it. Like, let's, let's make some financial decisions together. But it's just this idea that, no, you, you're just giving it to God and then he's giving it to us to steward and you just got to trust. Oh my gosh. I forgot about, I didn't even think about that sort of weird, like taking out the middleman. Like it's just straight to God. You're like, (laughs) no bitch. Like it's going to you, dude. It's going to you, man. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, God did not buy that car. Trust me. He's not driving that whip. Like, I think, like. They're like, I didn't buy it either. He gave <laughs> it to me. God gave it to me. Are you sure about that? Because it seems <laughs> transactional. It seemed like you swiped a credit card and those money, that money came from somewhere. Like, God did not do a direct transfer of, like, $20,000. It, it, it's very similar to the whole, like, the Bible is God's word language. Mm-hmm. It's like it removes any sort of it's 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 completely bypassing the human experience that is involved in this whole process and i think if i'm looking at my own experience i think so much of it it was very dangerous a lot a lot of shit can happen when you think that what is happening is strictly for god like if i think this by like the bible says this because straight up God is the one who wants that to be the case, then I'm going to do it. And that's really dangerous. And if I go, oh, like I need to give all of this money, even though I really cannot afford to pay my rent because I'm giving it straight to God um, by removing the human element, you're not doing anyone any favors. You're not doing the congregants any favors because it's almost, I don't know if it's a good thing to, to bypass the human element. Like there's a lot to be, val- there's a lot of value I think to be given if someone was straight up like, hey, this is going to me, because <laughs> then at least you know, you know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> who knows? Maybe you're a congregant and you're like, I straight up would love to see my pastor wear a fucking Supreme t-shirt. I don't know. Like maybe you want him to look really good. So then at least it's you're, you're coming about it honestly, you know, instead of like this weird side door, sneaky way of, of making somebody money. Right. You know, because we, we look at, we look at a Hillsong, we look at something based on numbers and it looks successful. So God must be blessing it. And this pastor is doing well. So God, God is blessing him. So it must, it must be right. So then I'm not seeing these kind of blessings. What am I doing wrong? Mm. And it might be that my questions about the money are what's holding me back, right? Maybe I don't have enough faith or maybe I haven't given enough or maybe God is, God is trying to work that out of me. Why am I so worried about, you know, <laughs> how well he's doing? Don't I want others to succeed and, and, and do well? You know, and so it's, I mean, all of it now, I'm like, oh, it's so strategic and just so insidious. Like you sow enough of these ideas into people. And like we we play the loops and we gaslight ourselves and we just keep keep going and keep trying to make it work. And then you'll see blessing wherever you can. Mm. Right. And you'll be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in a financial di- disaster right now, but I haven't been evicted. Right. So God is on my side. Or maybe I am in court to be evicted, right. but we got an extension. Right. Look at look at God. Right. Like, it's the shoot bucks. It's the exchange rate. It's the weird exchange rate. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's like another it's it's another variable that I had to contend with growing up as to why some shitty thing happened. Right. Like it's another variable. I remember like if I was leading worship, because that's just how I, you know, how I do. If I was leading worship, right? And the Holy Spirit wasn't really there. It wasn't a good worship set or something. Or God forbid, I forgot a lyric or popped a string. I would have to go back through like the annals of my memory to go, what could I have possibly fucked up in all of my all the boxes that I checked for this to have gone awry? Did I not tithe appropriately? Was it because I masturbated? Was it because I cursed? Like, what was the thing that I did wrong? And I think the transactional nature of the language we were taught about tithing. Mm-hmm. Sow the seed, God will reward it. Prove that you care about God more than your possessions and God will reward it. Pass this test to declare your allegiance and God will reward, whatever it is. Like it was just as if we needed another thing to prove ourselves by and to hold ourselves to, you know? Right. <laughs> or if you, you don't do it, right? Don't. Don't like anything too much. Don't enjoy anything too much because then God's going to have to take it away from you. Right. And so it might be that you're poor because God knows that if he gave you money, you wouldn't need him anymore. Or you would, you know, you would walk away. You would. And are you only in this to get money from God? Like, is that, is that what you want? Right. Right. So you care about the money? You care about the money. I mean, give me that money, but you care about money. I need it though. But you care about money. But please give well, it to I'm me. Well, I'm getting it because because <laughs> yeah. I don't care about it. I don't care. About I don't care. See, look, look. Ask me real quick if I care. Look at me blink. Did I blink? No, I don't care. You care. care. Why are you so mad about this? Right. Why are you you so you're holding on to that five dollars so tight? That's nothing right. to no. me. It's literally That's nothing a- to me. You are listen. Your tight is nothing compared to how much money I am making annually. So I don't care about money. That is so, I don't care. care. That is interesting. (laughs) And I think too, is like, you you mentioned it, like the whole, um, like the idolatry thing gets slipped in really easily. 
the yeah. idea of like if you like anything that much right like we we're like we were always saying stuff like everyone is a worshiper you know everyone worships something <laughs> everyone worship, you know what i'm talking about worship something and you worship yeah. something man you're gonna worship your your outfit and your appearance you're gonna worship pleasure having fun you're gonna you're gonna worship whatever they're like you know and it's like this is just showing you what you worship and so right, if you right, spend because what all that's right if you spend all you this know. money you spend 200 dollars at crossfit then you worship your your body or whatever it is but if right. you, you know so why can't you show that you worship god <laughs> And they, yeah, and they'll pull in things that people love, right? Or once in a lifetime opportunity. Oh, it, you know, you think nothing of dropping $200 to go to that football game or to go Beyonce tickets or, you know, whatever. So obviously you love Beyonce more than God. Is mm-hmm. that your idol? You know, right. you love you love football more than your savior? Are those players, did they give their life for you? Right. They're like, you spend so much money to go see the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Oh man, it feels like I'm talking to my mother. You know, she's like, <laughs> "I had nothing when I had you. I gave you everything. You, you owe me so. Really, really, you're just gonna go have fun. You're gonna get a tattoo. I had no money. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. These things are not related. <laughs> you, these are not. These are not the same. They're not the same though. Yeah. Yeah. Did you stop tithing before you stopped? going to church that's a good question um i think i'm pretty sure that the tithing was one of the last things for me to stop doing like that like i remember leaving the church and being like well i have to tithe somewhere like i don't like this church because i don't like that pastor you know at at the time it it wasn't me completely uprooting my entire belief system like it was more like I am starting to unravel it, but a lot of my issue has to do with this iteration of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's still something about the Jesus story that I'm cool with. So let me just find another church that I can give my money to and support. And so I think it took me not going to any church at all to finally stop typing. I had to literally have nowhere to put this money except my own pocket for me to stop. How about you? Yeah, same. It was one of the last, last things to go. So I left Hillsong, but then I was immediately in another little church plant. So mm-hmm. yeah, tithing there. And then leaving there, I was like, oh, I think by then, well, when I stopped going to church, I was like, well, I'm stopping because I just, it just hit me. I was like, oh, I don't think I need to go and listen to some other person's thought of the week about the Bible. Like, I think I know enough Bible and I uh-huh. don't. Oh, I don't need to be here. And so then it was just like, okay, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I believe in tithing anymore, but I do like it as a principle. So maybe I'll just tithe to my friends or tithe to, you know, Mm. whatever else. But then I think the pandemic killed it for good because I just don't have any money to give (laughs) to anyone else. Um, Yeah. And so... And so then that that kind of removed because there's just a lot of guilt still. And and like, even though, you know, it's not real, you still have these fears, right? That if I'm not, mm-hmm. maybe it's not this God, but maybe the universe will get me, you know, if I'm not giving to something or I don't know. Oh. I don't know. It's the loyal soldier for sure. It's the loyal soldier. It, it's that feeling like you have been doing this thing and you've been taught your whole life that you that God likes this thing. 
Like you are doing this thing that is intrinsically making God pleased. And so if there is a God and this God is real, and then there is a church that is doing the work in the manner in which God would have wanted it to be done, then you should probably be supporting that. Um, what, so so what, what changed for you was kind of like, obviously the pandemic and then you being like, I don't need to attend a church and therefore why would I be paying money to an institution I don't need to attend? Right. And then, you know, if we are, if we are the church, then why should, why should it matter to God if I'm giving it to this institution or if I'm giving it to Adrian? Mm -hmm. Right. And if I'm, (laughs) now I support people on Patreon or, you know, send people money. Like I, I give money to people I care about and that's my church. God loves everyone. If there is, Mm -hmm. like, for me, it's not even about God anymore. Like, I don't care, but I do think, (laughs) yeah, just generosity and just helping people out is a good thing to do when you can. But I'm also not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to go hungry to feed you anymore. Right? right? Like it doesn't, yes. it's not better if I'm the one who's starving. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I, I think, you know, what? I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm glad you asked that question. Cause I don't, I don't think I'd ever thought about some of the things that contributed to me, like stop tithing. And I, and I think one of the biggest things for me was when I removed, and again, this was back when I still had some semblance of like a, a typical, what someone would call the Jesus kind of tradition, is I would be like, well, I don't believe church is there. And I started to go, okay, well, like church is when I go to brunch. Mm-hmm. Like that is just as much church because there's pleasure happening and wherever there's pleasure, like the divine is there. And I was like, okay, so if I'm getting pleasure from going to the coffee shop or I'm getting pleasure from like, I don't know, going to Legoland with my kids or if if I'm experiencing joy with family and friends and like that is church and that is communion with the divine. And therefore, if I'm spending my money on that, then that is accomplishing in essence the same thing that I thought I was accomplishing when I was giving my money to that mega church in the Philippines or whatever. Um, So I think that was one of the if I'm looking at like how the cookie crumbled and the ways I like theologically justified, like not wanting to pay money to churches and like being okay, which is holding on to my 10%. That was probably one of the ways that I kind of told. And, 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 and in some degree, I, I say it kind of jokingly, I still kind of believe that there is something that feels right. When I say that out loud, that feels like true to me in some way still, even now. Um, so I'm like, yeah, hold on to that money and use it on actual church, which is like going out for drinks later. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like how how different would life be if if we were just allowed to? No, you need to put aside 10% of your income to do just for something that you enjoy. Right. Because yeah. bills and all the things you have to pay, like it's too much. Like you should have just an enjoyment fund. Like this is <laughs> this is for worship. This is for pleasure. This is for the thing that you like. Yeah. How interesting. Man, we are starting a revolution, Janice. So we want all of you to start tithing to yourself. <laughs> to yourself. Love offering yourself. And if if that's too advanced, right? If that's too far for you, you know, baby steps, you can't get there yet. Tithe to your friend. Yeah. Especially as creative people. You know you have a friend who has something that they've been wanting to do or some project that they want to start and they just don't have the funds for it. Tithe to your friend. Help them, help help people in their God-given talents and endeavors. Give to them until you learn to give to yourself. 
Yeah. And then, you know, mix it up a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Every other week, give someone else that you give to yourself. I like it. I like it. Janice, this was good. Anything else you wanted to add? Defund churches. Fund yourself. Defund churches. Fund yourself. Go fund yourself. Hashtag go fund yourself. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. This is the movement. The post-evangelical <laughs> guild taking churches to task and hashtag go fund yourself. Go fund yourself. Go fund yourself. I love it. I love it. Well, Janice, I think if that's all we wanted to talk about, about this portion of the Titan conversation, I think we should jump to our last segment of the evening. What do you think? I think so. Let's do it. Let's do it. Check it out. This is Sip, Smoke, Read. Sip, Smoke, Sip, Smoke, Read. So you know we read that shit. Only sip the finest party lit. On my couch and I be you thinking, listen to these idiots. But here you keep on listening. And here you are so listen. Made your pain corner to the latest book. Browse over, watch a show, just take a look. Probably cartoons. They call me little fishy for my hooks. Now you gotta sip, smoke, sip, smoke, read. All right, Janice. In this segment, Sip, Smoke, Read, y'all know what it is. It's y'all's favorite part of the damn show. We talk about what are we sipping? What are we smoking? What are we listening to, watching, partaking in and experiencing to get through these unprecedented times uh, where, what is it? How are you doing? As well as I can be for the world being on fire. What are you doing (laughs) to be as well as you can be? So I'm the worst for sip and smoke because I'm just not, not my stuff. So you're a God-fearing Christian woman. I get it. Um, I am. I have. Love the Lord with all my heart, and (laughs) (laughs) I will not imbibe. Um, No. So what am I? What am I drinking in these days? Beyonce's Renaissance. It's a good time. Uh, So that and uh, James Blake, Friends That Break Your Heart. That album. I am going back and forth between those two. Are these new releases? Like when did these come out? The Renaissance is new. That came out at the end of July. Oh, so it's like brand new. Yeah. It's brand brand spanking new. Sweet. Um, Friends of Break Your Heart, I think came out last summer, but I just just found I had been on stuck on assume form since that came out. Um, so I was like, Oh, new album. Let me let me see. And it's a good time. So Beyonce is giving given all the disco trap oh, cool. dance dance vibes. Yeah. Um, and then James is bringing all the four realness you, you could ever want or need. So, Giving you a lot of feels, a lot of feelings. A lot of feelings. When was the last Beyonce record dropped? When was the last time she released an album? Before this one, it's like every two years. So I want to say, okay. yeah, 2020, Black is King. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it hasn't been, hasn't been crazy long. For some reason, I'm thinking when you hear Renaissance, like I'm like, oh, maybe she's is she back from like a really long hiatus but i guess it's not it's just the name of the album all right cool yeah so that's it let's see if i was if i was a smoker right i'd be trying to alter my mind get into another space so to do that i have been uh giving myself time limits like i have so many projects and things that i've been trying to work on um and i i don't know lately i've been feeling like really overwhelmed and, you know, kind of having that negative self-talk where it's like, you never finish anything. You're never going to finish any of this. Um, you've had all the time in the world and you haven't done da 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 whatever. 
So I'm trying to trick myself with scarcity. But right now I'm only allowing myself to work on any one thing for an hour at a time. And then I have to switch and do do something else. Interesting. Is this like what's the what's the purpose of this to make you want to go back to it? Yeah. And to feel like if, if time is limited, I'm going to do more. And I don't know, for me, it's just it's just kind of tricking my mind to where it's like, well, you only had an hour. So if you don't get a whole mm. lot done, it's OK. You did your best in that hour. And then, yeah, like if you want, if you if you're really doing great, then you can come back to it later. And then it's more like a reward. Um, mm. And if it's not going great, no problem. You can go try something else right now. Uh, and so it's only been about a week and it's feeling good. Like, okay, I'm getting, getting things done. Traditionally, is your creativity like, I need to wait for inspiration to strike? Or is your creativity typically like the discipline, butt in the chair, creativity will show up if I'm working? I would like it to be the second one, but it's more <laughs> the first. So it is very yeah. inspiration and then very yeah. outside pressure. Like if you, if you asked me to do something, and you were like, I need this by next week. I would have it done. Like, Got it. But if it's just for me and it's just my thing, it could be less than what you asked of me. And two years <laughs> from now, I'd be like, ah, yeah. it just couldn't, just couldn't get, mm-hmm. it, get it to work. Yeah, I feel that. So, yeah, so I'm trying, trying time limits and then small batches um, to not, you know, I'm like, oh, I need to start working out and, and meditating again. But I can't do, I just can't do an hour. Like, I just have to be realistic about that. So let me find this 10-minute workout and just do yep. that. Like, and that, that'll have to be enough. And I can't, maybe I should do 20 minutes of quiet. I can't, but I can do five. So we're going to do five, and we're going to be mm. proud of that. And we're just going to do that consistently, and that'll be, that'll be enough. So time limits, small batches, and then reading for fun. Um, like no no particular book to recommend but i think especially as ex-evangelicals we can get so caught up in reading about all the things we need to know so i'm reading you know about (laughs) religious trauma and about tithing and about the biblical perspective of this and the perspective like and like all this knowledge-based stuff Hmm. and it's like oh no like I need to get back to just reading just for enjoyment, just for fun. Like everything doesn't have to mean something. Everything doesn't have to be building towards something like it's just just silliness, just for fun. So that's been good. If you get any good books, send them my way because I've been like trying to do the same thing. You, you saying that is like exactly what I've been trying to do, too. It's like, man, I want to just enjoy reading for the sake of pleasure, you know, and so if you, if you, if you come across anything good, send it my way. Cause I'm, I'm definitely interested. We'll do. Yeah. Um, and then TV shows the past few weeks, I just watched the bear. So that's on Hulu, FX Hulu. What is that? It is this guy. He's like a Michelin star rated chef. And then his brother dies. So he goes back to Chicago to take over like the little family restaurant. And so it's just this restaurant drama and like these workers. Um, and it's just really, it's a really good show. Oh, is this, is this the actor from shameless shameless? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plays lip. Yep. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's got it. Got it. It's a good watch and it's quick because it's only, I want to say like eight episodes, like eight half hour episodes. So it's, it's an afternoon. 
Um, okay. It's really good. Watch that. Watch the after party on Apple TV. Little murder mystery. Um, with a lot of it's got like Ilana Glazer, uh, Tiffany Haddish. Can't think of his real name, but Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec. It's a comedy. It is. Yeah, it's a murder mystery. It's like a murder mystery comedy. Mm-hmm. It's a movie or a show. It's a show, and so it's eight eight episodes, I think, and like each episode kind of comes at it from a different genre. So like there's like a musical episode, there's like a kids show kind of episode, there's like an animated one. So it's like community. Yeah. I like it. I'm here for it. That's cool. Yeah. So that's good. And then I just finished yesterday A League of Their Own on Amazon. Uh, that yeah. Series, and that's also really good. Wait, wait. Hold on. You're not. Are you A League of Their Own? Isn't that a, a movie? It was Rosie a movie. O'Donnell? Is that? Mm-hmm. Classic movie. Okay, and that's not what you're referring to. And now, now it's a series. Oh, okay. Here I'm thinking you just watched the Madonna movie. Okay, so it's a show. <laughs> it's a show now. Got it. Yeah. And it's good. And it's really good. Um, they, <laughs> I saw some people, some commentary on Instagram, and a few people like, oh, I can't believe they ruined it, and I'll never watch it. Um, I won't watch any more of this, and I think it's because it's very, a lot of queer representation. Like, that was okay. erased from the original movie. Oh, um, interesting. But they were saying, oh, like, a lot of these players were queer. Um, and so that's a big part of the storyline. And it's, I don't know, it's so good. I'm like, this this movie is so chaste, right? And so if this hmm. if these were, were guys and girls, nobody would have an issue with any of this. But because it's women, you know, falling in love with other women... Some people are, you know, getting up in their feelings about it. And like all three of these shows are really good with just representation. They all have, they all have like white leads, but the cast is so diverse. So, so just well mixed with really good roles for, for people of color. It's good viewing. So highly recommend. Sweet. So for me, uh, Janice, I am from Sipping. So as I, we discussed last time on the Patreon episode, I've become a little bit of like a cocktail boy, <laughs> gotten really into cocktails. It's become kind of like the evening equivalent of making my morning cup of coffee. I kind of get dialed in, not every night, because I can't afford to drink every night. <laughs> my recipes are too expensive. to, to I can't <laughs> afford this much simple syrup or whatever the fuck I'm buying. Um, like, like, like how much triple sec can you burn through? So, uh, but in, in, on the weekends, pretty much every night, I will whip up a, a cocktail and... I have historically been a really big gin drinker, as many of the bad apples know. And then I went on like a tequila kick. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I, I started doing is I made a Prosecco margarita, which is essentially a margarita plus sparkling wine. And I thought it was delish. It was like a margarita soda. <laughs> it's like, this is so good. <laughs> it was great. I felt like both bougie and like a little trashy at the same time. It was a perfect blend. Nice. Um, that said, right, I actually have, uh, I had some friends over for drinks and he asked me if I'd ever made a drink called a Tom Collins and I had never had a Tom Collins. Have, are you familiar? Have you had one? I've heard of it, but no. What is it? So a Tom Collins is essentially it's just gin, club soda, some sort of sugar, like a simple syrup and lemon juice. So it's, it's like, it's like a like a gin lemonade kind of <laughs> it's really refreshing 
really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, it reminds me a lot of another cocktail that I've made in the past called the French 75, which is essentially the same thing, gin, uh, simple syrup, and lemon juice. But instead of pouring it into a club soda, uh, you're pouring it into Prosecco. So lately, like my thing has been like, okay, let me see how many uh, liquors I can combine with sparkling wine or champagne. You know, <laughs> let me just do that. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Um, that was really, really good. Um, not smoking anything. I don't smoke anything anymore. I don't smoke cigars. I don't smoke weed. I don't smoke anything um, because due to Adrian's annual upper respiratory issues that I basically have every year and I think I'm going to die. It happened in 2020 and I was like, I cannot afford to have scares like this. So I need to just stop. So since 2020, I literally have not smoked anything. Um, <laughs> also said, known as the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Lord is at work. See, that was the exchange rate. I've been tithing and God got me to stop smoking. Um, <laughs> I tithed he a lot saved of your life. a very expensive habit to break. <laughs> he did. See, see, will he do it? So there's a, a brand uh, called Botany Farms that does like CBD products as well as like some THC products. And they have a Delta 10 edible, which is really uh, good. I tried it for the first time. A mutual friend of ours, Cortland Coffee, he hosts, co-hosts a podcast called Thereafter. Um, I had him on the Patreon and we were talking. I said, like, I wanted to experience like an edible that made me kind of euphoric and like happy instead of like really drowsy. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people, if you have trouble sleeping, right? And you know, some sort of edible is perfect because it puts you right to bed. But I literally have zero problems sleeping. So I was like, if I'm gonna, you know, have something, I want something that makes me kind of feel kind of dumb and makes me really giggly, you know, really mm -hmm. smiley and giggly. So he suggested like a Delta 10. Um, so I picked it up. I tried half of one. It made me like feel pretty good. I definitely didn't feel sluggish. Mm -hmm. I felt like really calm, still really alert. Um, but I was still able to go to sleep. So um, highly recommended that. I'll probably have to have a full gummy next time around and see if it makes me laugh at stupid shit. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to try that I, with you. I just you. love laughing at stupid shit. Yeah, because I think it. I've decided. Yeah, I've decided I just do not like just the experience of smoking. Like I like the, the feelings after, but like my body is like, <laughs> we're too old to be starting this and we don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of all habits you picked up, you this couldn't is, do yoga. You got to start smoking. Right. This like is you a, are this in your thirties. This is a young kids. This is a kids game. This is not for yeah. you. You need to. Young what are kids you doing? game. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I totally feel that. Um, as far as um watching, so um I mentioned some of this stuff on again before, but it's been a while since DRCK has aired. So um. I watched a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Have Oof. you seen that? Yes, absolutely. Oh my God, it was amazing. And it's, it was so weird. It's so it like it defies description. Heartwarming and wild. Yeah. Like like um two rocks and you're crying. They're just rocks. I know. I know. <laughs> you're weeping. Know. It was beautiful. Uh, yeah, it was it was like good to watch and also as someone who has family issues with uh mom and Asian immigrant mom mm. yep it was a little close it was a little like ooh, okay ooh, ooh, a little close so mm. i'm still a little tender about that um uh, but definitely worth watching just visually beautiful um you mentioned a comedy mystery 
And uh, we, I just recently rewatched a movie from 1985, Clue, with uh, Tim Curry. Uh, a classic, a cult classic. Uh, we watched it um, with the bad apples in the Discord. Yeah, yes, that's my favorite part. That's my favorite part of the whole movie. And that was completely ad-libbed, by the way. Fun really? fact. Amazing. Yes, it was like wow. one of her few things that she ad-libbed, and it was makes it so much better. Um, so I rewatched it. I was reminded how much I love it, even though it is, yes, it's slapsticky. Yes, it's overacted, a little Three Stooges ish. It's kind of riddled with boomer humor, but it is a good time. Uh, I'm glad I rewatched it. And apparently, Ryan Reynolds is in the works of, of redoing it. So he's going to hmm. remake the movie. Huh. Yeah. So we'll see if it's any good or not. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know how I feel I, about I'm that. I'm not a member of the, yeah, I'm not a member of like the, the Ryan Reynolds is perfect club. Um, he definitely is like he acts what he brings to his roles is kind of like how like Jack Black is Jack Black in every role he's in. You know what I mean? You know, I'm sure that Ryan Reynolds could be someone other than Ryan Reynolds, but they, he has been typecast to just play himself. In this film, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds as Ryan Reynolds. As Ryan Reynolds. In the in the Ryan Reynolds story. The movie <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, yeah. I'm just trying to picture him as like any character and not just being like, this is Deadpool. You're Deadpool. Yeah. You know, we'll see. He's very Ryan Reynolds ish. We'll see. Um, speaking of the, of Ryan, there was a Ryan movie, uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh, he had a movie out called Gray Man. It was like his first action movie, like as like a badass spy. I've never seen him as like an action hero. <laughs> I went straight to Netflix. It was OK. Not bad. Not the worst movie I've seen. Um, it was with Ryan Reynolds and Chris Evans. So it's like if you're in the mood for like a, you know, if you're in the mood mood for like an action movie and you can passively watch it and every so often glance at your phone and then look back up and not really miss anything, it's Mm -hmm. great. Sometimes you just need movies like that, you know? Yeah. And then uh, I started reading and have caught up. uh, There's a book series called The Court of Thorns and Roses. I told you about this Mm -hmm. last time we spoke. Um, well, come to find out. So this is kind of like a, like a fantasy series. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, my friend Madison like swore, swears on it. And so I checked it out because of her and it's been really, really good. And it has been picked up for a pilot on Hulu, in fact. And, uh, it was picked up by the producers of Outlander. Okay. Uh, and for those of you who watch Outlander know that Outlander is based on a book series. So I like to think... And from and my wife has read all the Outlander books, and she says that it's been the the show was pretty faithfully uh, adapted. I pretty faithfully adapted the book series, so hopefully that means that like it's in good hands because I really do like the books, uh, the Court of Thorns and Roses books. So um, that said, I have this. How do I put this? I'm glad that I read the books before the show came out because. I could say like, oh, you ruined the books for me, but it, it didn't. It will, it can't. Because when you read the books first, you envision an entire scenario and a world and delivery and aesthetic. And if that's not uh, exactly how the movie predicts it, you can just dis- disavow the movie, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas if you watch the movie or the show first, then it has the potential to completely color the way. So I, yeah. I've never read the Twilight books and I can't read the Twilight books now because well, I've seen the movies. <laughs> recommend that anyway. <laughs> I mean, uh, even if you're uh, right. I, I also right. wouldn't oh, I, I admit could. to seeing the movies. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know what? It was 20, <laughs> what year was it? I don't care. Listen, 
Don't judge me, Janice. Are you really going to judge me? No, absolutely. You a four judging a four? Come on now. We can't do this to each other. We're the only ones that understand each other in the world. You're <laughs> no right. One else gets us. You're right. I can't leave you out here all alone. <laughs> Don't leave me out here alone. I won't, I won't do it. I won't do it. I take it back. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking it back. Um, but yeah, so I'm really interested to see how they do it. The the book series, it, it there's a lot of things that happen, and I think the first book is good. The second book is great. And what I Ooh. what I'm afraid will happen is that the series will pick up and adapt the first book and get the kibosh before it has the opportunity to really dig into the second book, which I, which is my favorite. So, um, anyway, fingers crossed. That it's a faithful <laughs> adaptation. You. It hasn't even started. You're killing it already. <laughs> He's like, I, I know. <laughs> I already know they're not going to get to my favorite part. So I know I've already <laughs> given up, whatever. It'll live in my mind. It's all that matters. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that's it. I think I've said enough. I've gone on long enough. Oh, I finished Peaky Blinders, the show that makes me want to fight. Mm -hmm. I finished Peaky Blinders. They came to a conclusion, and I think it's going to come back for a movie. Six seasons and a movie, as Dan Harmon said. So I think that's what's going to happen. So there's going to be a Peaky Blinders movie, probably a theatrical release. I'll probably go see it. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think we did it, my friend. I think so. Look at us. So... For those of the listeners who do not know you, they know you because I've told them about you. They know they know you. But for those who do not know who you are, how can they connect with you, partake of your content, follow you in all the places, share all the things? God has not given. That's where I'm at on the Instagram and, and TikTok, I think. Um, but find me on Instagram. And if you want anything else from me, all the links to all the things are there. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> I'm a general menace. So, you know, <laughs> general menace, but that's, that's this audience. So you'll, you'll like it. You'll buy it. it. Most likely. Yeah. You'll buy it. Uh, if you're listening to this, everyone, you can check the show out on dirty rotten church There are links to all of the things you can find, uh, the show on Instagram at dirty rotten church kids on Twitter at dirty rotten CK. Uh, got a TikTok, Dirty Rotten CK. You can send me an email, dirtyrottenck at gmail.com. Uh, I have a Patreon where uh, we do monthly, there's access to the Patreon exclusive Discord as well as monthly episodes where I have friends of the show on, such as Janice. I also interview Bad Apples. We review movies together. It's an uh, overall good time. If you want to pick up some merch, a little bit of swag, you can go, you can see that link on dirtyrottenchurchkids.com. Um, I will say, you know, I was posting so much on Instagram, just like memes and shit. And it was really nice to just not. Can I just say that? It has been nice to just not. There's a lot of following on Instagram. And in some ways, I feel like I'm being a hashtag uh, poor steward. You know what I'm saying? Tithing <laughs> language. I kind of feel like I'm being a poor steward of such a big platform. But also, it's really nice not to be posting on that platform, too. So I'm just saying I will be posting um, when I see fit, but I don't really, I think I'll probably be primarily using that platform as just a way to connect people to the podcast episodes and maybe drum up some conversation, but I'm definitely not going to be posting a shit ton of memes as much as I was. Cause you know, it's just, it's draining. It's tiring, Janice. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And you know what? I don't want that for you. This audience doesn't want that for you. We're glad 
to have you back. It is wonderful to, to hear your voice on the airwaves again. Um, and we'll take what we can get. We're we're evangelicals. We are used to not much. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're good. You're good. I appreciate it. And and Janice, I'm so grateful for your friendship. I've told you this before. Um, you just mean so much to me as a person and the space that you occupy is so unique in the way that you tell your story and connect and tell other people's stories uh, is really, really incredible. Um, there was no one doing what you do the way that you do it. Um, and I really demean that. That's not an Enneagram 4 blowing smoke up an Enneagram 4's ass. Um, so yeah, a lot of love for you. Thank you so much for, for co-hosting this episode with me. Back at you. And, and anytime. You're my boy. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast. Keep up the dirty work, everyone. And remember, it's, it's all, all going to be, be okay. okay. Thanks a million to all of you bad apples for the love and kindness. DRCK means so much to me, and I hope to continue making a show we all enjoy. Shout out to Janice Legata for being an amazing friend and human being. Shout out to our producer Josh Delbridge. And shout out to the wonderful folks on the Irreverent Media Group for the endless support. Love you forever. I had a great summer. I got West Nile virus. Lost a ton of weight. Then I went back to the lake and I stepped on a piece of glass in the parking lot which hurt. It got infected, even though I peed on it. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.